this episode of Boy Meets World is episode 11. It's called The Father-Son Game. And the synopsis from Disney Plus is Corey and Eric lie to get out of a father-son baseball game. And that's pretty much it, Mark. <laughs> that's about the entirety of this episode. Yeah, there's no uh, secondary storyline like in previous nine. episodes. It's straightforward. Yeah, which is really unfortunate because the last two that we reviewed I thought were really good. Like you said, they had secondary and sometimes tertiary storylines. This one's pretty flat. Um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't care for it very much. And uh, and one of the problems I have with this episode is going to become apparent really in the, the first scene here. Uh, so we open up with Corey coming down the stairs into the kitchen. And this first scene is just full of unnatural dialogue. And it's like everything they say has to be a joke. There's There's like nothing, n- no normal conversation happens at all. And like, for example, the first thing Corey says is Friday. I love Friday. Soon I'll be home for the whole weekend. And then his mom is like in the kitchen and she repeats back to him Friday. I hate Friday. Soon you'll be home for the whole weekend. And it's that sort of thing that occurs for the entirety of this opening. Yeah. Let's not forget Morgan with the I've been up since six o'clock. Yeah. And um <laughs> And Morgan's I wish little, that right? was early. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I mean, I know she's little, uh, and you, know, you can't expect someone that little to be a great actor or actress. She doesn't do a great job here, and it's just like doesn't actually convince you that she's necessarily a hyper kid. She's just a kid yelling lines the whole time. Um, do you remember why she's hyper, Mark? Oh, yeah, because she, she was ahead of her time with the cereal. She was all marshmallows. That's right. Yeah, so apparently she uh, she picked the, the cereal dry of all the marshmallows and sugary pieces. So uh, And Corey reveals that when he sits down to have his cereal, that it's all just the, you know, the somewhat nutritious stuff in there, the bran or the flakes or whatever. Yeah, I forget what he calls it. So I have to ask you, what's your go-to cereal? Oh. Or now? your favorite? Okay, right now it's Special K Red Berries. I love it. Oh, man, you're it. such an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I could have it for multiple meals a day. Now, the um, as a kid, I remember really liking corn pops, and that's I feel like that's an unpopular opinion. Uh, but then I also like some more boring ones. So I loved frosted mini wheats, um, and I also liked corn checks. So basically, the cereal I was eating was like cereal of like a fifty-eight year old by the time <laughs> you know, I was in elementary school. I have to say, with you? the frosted mini wheats, though, like I do like them, but those were like cereals that I preferred to eat dry, like just put in a bag. And like munch on it, but my go-to cereal probably been the same as like forever is cinnamon toast crunch. Oh yeah. So funny thing is, I have a really hard time eating like really sweet or really sugary cereal. Uh, Like it just it seems to make me sick. So Um, never got into like the the Lucky Charms or the Count Chocula or any of that stuff. No. Oh no, I also liked which I don't see as much anymore. uh, Kellogg's Smacks. Oh, which I yeah, have to I say remember the brand those. Kellogg Smacks because otherwise, just saying Smacks, it's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, it's yeah. The one with the frog on the cover. Yeah, when, when I was a kid, my mom used to buy the uh, the store brands of that. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, at Cheerios, you get O's instead yeah. of Smacks. <laughs> you got like the are. backhand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Dude, I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know what they're shaped as Kellogg Smacks. If they're like cross shaped or something, like plus signs. I forget. Or just, like, I always thought they looked like corn. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, one of the things I forgot to mention here, like just as Corey comes down the stairs and immediately they run right into a joke, Eric comes down and goes into this metaphor where he's comparing his dating life to the weather. 
And it's kind of one of those reoccurring themes here where he talks about how, you know, maybe a girl dumped him or he can't get a date or all the girls are dating seniors. Mm-hmm. And uh, he has this dialogue with with Amy um, and he, he basically says that he's going to be out late. And she says, you know, make sure you obey your curfew. And he remarks that he's not going to do that. And she says something like, don't mess with Mother Nature to double <laughs> down on this, uh, you know, this weather metaphor as they're talking. Yeah. That, uh, they got to get those this... out before the baseball metaphors. Yeah. I mean, little of that is funny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just like I said, it's just very unnatural. Uh, so Alan eventually does come down to introduce our one and only storyline, really. Mm-hmm. Although they do try to loosely tie it into the class lesson, which is pretty weak, and we'll get to that too. <laughs> so he pulls his glove, like a baseball glove, out of the oven. And Eric says, and because he's trying to soften it up. Yeah. And Eric says that most people keep their glove under the mattress. And uh, and Alan says, you know, not with a glove this age. He said he had to baste it in gloveoleum and bake it in the oven. This is a thing, gloveoleum. I did not know this. Maybe it's because I'm... I, never really played baseball but it's actually a product you can buy oh interesting yeah so, you, you I pl- made it up you playing hockey what's the weirdest thing you ever did to your hockey skates to i get think them i told to- you this story <laughs> yeah yeah so so um when i started ice skating it was it was really late you know i was rollerblading before i was mm-hmm. ice skating but when i started ice skating around like uh i guess 12 years old or so uh the the ice skating instructor said in order to get i think it was like a hockey instructor but it was kind of like a learn to skate so in order to get the skates to fit your feet, you should basically, uh, I think, put on wet socks, mm-hmm. okay? microwave the skates, I believe, and then, or or at least oven. put them in the oven or something. Yeah. <laughs> or no, no, I'm sorry. Up. No, that would have been bad. No, okay. So it was heat them up with a hairdryer. Yeah. And then put them on your feet and go to sleep with them. And I tried this and I could not sleep. Could just the way the skates even no, not like when you're when you sleep, your ankles, maybe you go to the side or whatever, mm-hmm. but like your ankles can't handle the weight of that just constantly either pulling them together or pulling them away. I don't think I lasted more than 30 minutes or an hour of trying to break in those skates. So I basically just stopped doing that crap and that sounds them in by actually wearing them. Absolutely terrible. Like, I yeah. could just imagine having dreams of, like, someone throwing you to, into the ocean with, like, cement, like, blocks on your feet. Like, Well, yeah, and not to mention, it's like, so you put on these warm skates with wet socks. Like, it's probably, I don't remember 100%, but it's probably really itchy. It's yeah. uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it was an interesting idea, but I didn't exactly follow it. And uh, But I think stuff like this, like, working on the glove like that, probably works. And they mm-hmm. do sell it, you know, for a reason, but... Um, anything you can pop in the oven like that. Like I bet if you bought hockey gloves, there's people that soften them up and you know, pop them in the microwave or whatever. Cause otherwise they come really stiff. Yeah. How about you? Did you ever try to soften up your goalie gear? Um, I remember my goalie glove, my catcher, I was on a road trip up to Connecticut and I sat in the back of the car with my mm-hmm. friends and just opened and closed the glove and had yeah. a, uh, had a softball I had in there kind of shape it. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I was pretty much once I figured out how to make them comfortable, just like yeah. kind of like mark my settings on the straps for my like leg pads and and things like that, just so I know I could quickly go back to the ones that I like. I liked wearing them loose. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Cool. So uh, as as Alan is describing what he's doing to his glove, he reveals that the, the father son baseball games coming up. 
and they keep doing this joke back and forth where the kids are clearly not excited about this and they're saying like is it coming up already and and Alan's Mm. replying do you like do you believe it or can you believe it and he mentions he calls so he works for a grocery store we know that he's the manager of a grocery store yeah and he says the market giant juggernaut which I guess is the name of the store which they haven't revealed before market giant juggernaut is going to steamroll over the unicorn rainbow bookstore. Yeah. And we'll later find out that that's the store that Topanga's father runs. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mark, what does Topanga's father do for a living? Well, that's changed several times. Wasn't he, (laughs) um, was he a lawyer at one point? Um, uh, I'm not 100 percent sure, but was, I, there's at least one occupation I remember. I remember he was a musician one. too. Uh, kind of. He um, was a, as he put it, a luthier, which is a term I haven't heard before or since, and it says it means he makes instruments. Yes, he makes mm-hmm. musical instruments. So, uh, this I got to talk about the name of this bookstore. <laughs> this unicorn rainbow bookstore would never be the name of any business anywhere. And uh, I've seen businesses. <laughs> I, I, I got, can imagine in this day and age it being the name nope, of something. <laughs> nope, nope, no. So I got a uh, I got a receipt once mm-hmm. from a place that I had not ordered food from. It wasn't even in my state. I forget what it was, but one of those double entendre names. And I was like, oh, that's funny. You know, yeah, basically you look at the name and you take a double take. Like, what is that place called? Um, kind of like Hooters, I guess, which would be mm-hmm. one of the more more popular ones like that. But this Unicorn Rainbow Bookstore would never be the name of anything. They could have called it the Sunshine Bookstore, and it still would have hit home the point of, I guess we work at a grocery store. We're tough men, and these guys work at a frilly little bookstore, so they must be pansies, and we're going to crush them in this game. And that's basically the point of yeah. calling it this Unicorn Rainbow Bookstore, which no self-respecting person would ever work at, ever. Yeah. <laughs> Let him, yeah. How would they field enough players for a team? I don't know. It must be a, a huge bookstore. Yeah. But and he says he says these guys are too zen for baseball. Let's kill They're too em. much into mm-hmm. inner peace and spirituality and tranquility. And Alan pauses and says, Let's kill them. And uh that's basically it for this opening scene. Mm-hmm. So we move on to the classroom where we're going to get our loosely tied in theme here. And uh, the classroom is citing the Pledge of Allegiance, but Topanga is just sitting there. And you can see Corey staring at her, making some odd faces, wondering why she's just sitting. After they're done saying the Pledge of Allegiance, Feeney asks her why she didn't participate. And she basically says she didn't feel like it. And Corey gets super excited. And... uh, and Mr. Feeney wants to know what Corey finds you know, so amusing about it. And he says, you're finally going to nail Topanga for being weird, which I thought was funny. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's clear now that it's a setup uh, because this whole thing was actually uh, Feeney's way to get someone to speak up mm-hmm. because he wants to talk about social protest and how kind of like uh, going against trends or traditions Um, whether or not it's a good thing or a bad thing. And Minkus says, oh, you've been set up, bud. And Mm -hmm. um, the actual debate is, you know, American traditions versus social protest. So anything uh, before I keep going here on this? So I I honestly didn't learn this until I started grad school work. Um, Mm -hmm. But 
students don't have to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. It was a court case back in 1943, like a Supreme Court case, uh, mm-hmm. West Virginia versus Barnett. Um, and it decided that students need didn't need to stand up during the Pledge of Allegiance, uh, religious reasons, protests, and things like that. So mm-hmm. n- not only was that not a recent case, but it was like right after the World Wars where yeah. like um, patriotism was at an all-time high when the mm-hmm. Supreme Court made that decision. And like you'd think like teachers like myself would know that going in, but I honestly didn't learn that until like my fifth year in teaching. Luckily, hmm. it's not something I ever enforced. If a kid wanted to sit during the Pledge of Allegiance, as long as they weren't disrupting other people, I was fine with it. Yeah, that's so. interesting. Mm-hmm. No, it's funny. They do say, please rise for the national anthem or yeah. please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance. They'll say, you must rise for yeah. this. So I didn't know that. Uh, we all definitely did it in school, though. Yeah, and I think it was more so out of like peer pressure. Like Everybody did it. So you felt like you had to do it. I guess so. I never really thought about it. You know, this is just, it's part of our day. Yeah, it's what you have to do. It's our flag. We live in the United States. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it ever occurred to me as being like abrasive, forceful or anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they go into their little debate and Topanga says, you don't have to follow traditions just because. And uh, following them just because doesn't make her happy. She doesn't want to be forced to do anything. And Corey says you should do it because you're supposed to, and that's what makes that's what makes you American. And Sean starts playing basically like a fake trumpet on his mm-hmm. hand, like a like a patriot song. What was the tune he was singing? Do you remember? Oh man, I should know. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I, I don't remember either. But Corey uh, goes on this nonsensical rant about patriotism, and the last thing he says is, "You know, this is the most important discussion we will ever have." And the bell rings, mm-hmm. and he just says, "See it," and they all leave. So yeah. that's the joke. Oh, it's so important, but the bell rings, they all leave. Yeah, shortest class ever. Like, we watched that whole class period, and it was like two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I wish my classes were that short. Like, hey, guys, <laughs> see you later. <laughs> right? Uh, all right, so now we're in the cafeteria, and Corey's complaining about this upcoming base, like father-son baseball game. He's complaining to Sean. Mm-hmm. And Sean can relate to basically everything Corey says. Uh, stuff like... You know, the the fathers always get hurt. Um, you know, they take it way too seriously. Um, and just overall that it's not fun for them, you know, to to play with their dads in this you know, competitive baseball game. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I wrote down here is Minka shows up at their table and says only three days till Monday. And what I took a note on was even the geeks, I don't think, anticipate school on Monday. Yeah, they I don't look even forward the to geeks, it. Look, what's that? Yeah, they don't look forward to it. No, no, because if they are geeks, even if they like class, they might get picked on and probably just want to get away. Also, they're still kids and still have fun stuff to do. So, yeah, I love how they portray him as someone who just wants to practically sleep at school. Yeah. Um, But uh, it's important that Minkus shows up because it gets in one of our little bits here. So he leaves his tray, his lunch tray at the table where he already has a burger on it. And he Mm -hmm. says he's going to go get an apple. And Corey is basically still complaining about his father um, and also says that he prefers having lazy weekends and and he describes what they are, playing video games, watching TV, things of that sort. And X-Men. 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 Yeah, yeah. I remember that. Um, oh, I love that show. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, Sean the whole time is fixated on Minkus's burger and he's talking to himself out loud. 
and saying like, he starts messing with the burger. So mm-hmm. he opens up the you know the top part of the bun. He pours an entire salt shaker's worth of salt on it, and he's not satisfied with that. So he starts to put vanilla pudding on top of it too. And he says something like he doesn't know what it is about himself, but he's just not happy unless he's doing stuff like this. As he's just uh, ignoring Corey. So, so do you think? Other- do you think yeah, Minkus knew that was going to happen before he walked away, or he got suspicious when he came back and yeah. they sounded guilty? Yeah, well, definitely, because they say something like, uh, I think Sean says, go ahead, take your burger and go. Mm-hmm. And Minka says, hey, you know, did you do something to my burger? And they're like, oh, of course not. And um, Minka says, look, it's Shaquille O'Neal, and points to the other side of the cafeteria, which is so stupid. Yeah. And both of them look, but they do it in a sarcastic way like oh wow Shaquille O'Neal's here Mm -hmm. and they hear the sound of Minkus playing around with like the the burgers on the tray yeah he changed them yeah right he doesn't actually swap them so then Sean does the reverse because he thinks he has the gimmicked burger in front of him now right Mm -hmm. so Sean says look isn't that Stephen Hawking and Minkus pretends to be fascinated with that and Sean does swap the burgers now putting the one with the salt and the pudding in front of himself so, mm-hmm. uh, and look, isn't that Stephen Hawking? I uh, at that age, I don't think I knew who that was. <laughs> but it's in but, line with something that Minkus would be interested in. I guess so. I, but I yeah, know. how would Sean or not Sean? How would Eric? Yeah, Sean and Corey. How would they know who he is? I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, um, as Minkus walks away with his tray and the good burger, uh, Sean says something like, "You know, why do they?" Like, why do they think he's so much smarter than us? And as he takes a bite, he realizes he has the bad burger. And Corey <laughs> says, because he is, isn't he? <laughs> and that's it for the scene. Yeah. Any other thing here? Anything no. Um, right. I, I got a pretty good prank on my brother once. So I'm more than... Is this the ha- garlic prank, Mark? Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> Would you like to share? Sure. So sure. my brother, one morning when we were in high school, put garlic salt in my water and like, as soon as I drank it, I knew immediately it was off. And I, I love was that like, he got you first, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what I did was I took his toothbrush and rubbed it in the garlic salt. No, he wouldn't notice it. And then I took the rest of the garlic salt and dumped it in the mouthwash and shook it up. So the next oh my day, God. my brother goes to brush his teeth. I'm like, I'm questioning him, like, because I didn't hear him say anything back. I'm like, hey, that tastes funny. Notice anything? <laughs> and he's like. What did you do to it? So I told him, oh, I, I just rubbed it in the garlic salt. And you could like see him getting visibly upset. He's like, how'd you get the taste out of your mouth? I'm like, oh, I just used the mouthwash. <laughs> did he notice the mouthwash taste? Oh, bad man. As soon as he got that in his mouth, the look on his face. And like, what I loved about my prank was like the two step. And I got him to like walk into the second one on his own. Like, I didn't yeah. even have to prompt that. It was like, what should I do? And I'm like, That's try awesome. the mouthwash. <laughs> By the way, I, I do, as I said, I do enjoy that he just randomly decided to prank you. I do like that. Like, you walked away or whatever, and he's like, I'm going to put garlic in his water. <laughs> like, whatever uh, whatever inspired him to do that, good for him. And good for you. <laughs> and for getting back on him uh, twofold. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. it's got to be bigger and better, right? Right. <laughs> um, the only thing I used to do like that with my brother was, uh, my brother had this thing where he would he would go get, like, cookies or candy mm-hmm. and he'd put them on the kitchen table and then he would go get milk to eat with those cookies or candy every time i saw him do this i took one of the pieces that he put down <laughs> on the table even if i didn't like them 
Uh, one of the things he used to eat all the time was peanut chews, which I don't know if you've had them before, but it's literally just like caramel peanuts and chocolate. Yeah, I like them. No, it sounds all right, but they're not that good. Uh, they have this funny taste to them where I don't like them. Aren't but they traditionally dark chocolate? I think so. Yeah, but it's just the insides. Like I think the peanut flavor on them. Like I love peanut butter, but there's something off about these things. Okay. They're also harder than some other candy mm-hmm. bars. But anyway, he would put them down walk away to the fridge and I would always take one and he'd come back and notice I stole one and he would laugh a little bit. And if he got up a second time, cause if he got something, I would grab another one. So every time he <laughs> left the table, he got punished. So, um, all right. So now we shift over to the backyard and Alan is, uh, tossing and catching a baseball on one of those kind of like, um, like tension nets. Yeah. It kind of it kicks, basically kicks the ball back. I'm mm-hmm. sure you've seen them before. Yeah. Um, so like the only child can play ball with himself. That's right. Yeah, so uh, Corey and Eric notice that he's doing this from the kitchen, and they try to get empathy from their mom, and uh, they want her to help them get out of this. And her her point is basically, look, it's just one game. It's only a few hours. You should do this for your father. Yeah. And uh, she heads off to the bank, you know, which is not really important, um, but she does make a remark that she's going to go deposit you know, their father's hard-earned paycheck, you know, which sustains their lifestyle. Yeah. So I was like, hey, appreciate this guy. And then Morgan doesn't listen to her mom, and she says she wants to go to the bank by herself, but somehow Morgan tags along. It's not important, but it was in there yeah. for whatever reason. I was that type uh, of kid, though. Like, my parents were going somewhere I wanted to go, too, because, like, when you're yeah. a little kid, like, you hate being stuck in the house all the time. Yep. So now we're in the bedroom, and Corey and Eric are still trying to find a way out of the game. And uh, Eric says only one person has to go, because it's a father-son game, not a father-son's game. And he basically implies that it should be Corey. Yeah, it and, took Corey uh, way too long to figure, to out, figure that. out that. Yeah, right. he's like, "Wait, we're both out. You did it. Like, yeah. no, I'm out. You're in. Like, right. Like, tag so, you're it." So then they do this thing where they try to basically blackmail each other. Mm-hmm. And Eric says, "Well, if I go, maybe we start talking about golf. And if we start talking about golf, maybe I mention how you broke his uh, his driver hitting rocks in the backyard." And Corey at first thinks he's been caught. And then he says, well, what if we start talking about how dad's nervous about you getting your license next year? And I happen to mention he has nothing to worry about because you've driven the car multiple times around the block yeah. <laughs> you know, while you weren't home. So as they've kind of gotten each other here in a, st- uh, a stalemate, they run downstairs to talk to Alan on the couch. And they're both yelling over each other and doing this thing where it's you basically can't perceive anything they're saying because they're yelling at the same time. Alan tries to stop them. And get them to go one at a time. Of course, they all start. They both start yelling together again. And he eventually stops them. Um, and he has Eric go first. Yeah. Right. And Eric makes this excuse about having to study for a project with Vicky. Um, and Corey starts challenging him on his excuse. And he's like, oh, well, what subject is it? And Eric says science. And Corey says, you're not even in the same class. How the heck would he know that? Yeah, he, he put a lot more effort into tearing... Um Eric's excuse apart than he did into his own excuse. Like oh, his own excuse, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have like, you explain that one. Like he's pointing out like how awful Eric's excuse is, but at least yeah. it would be somewhat feasible. Corey right. then talks about having his leg have to be cut off because of radar right. or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, this is absolutely terrible. So, and one of the things that uh, in the back and forth between Corey and Eric is. No, Eric says something to the effect to the effect that they need to study at the library, and uh, so they can't go to the game. And Corey says, "Why don't you go on Sunday?" Eric says, 
you know, the libraries close on Sunday. And Corey says, not anymore. They changed their hours. And after they, so Alan obviously picks up on what they're doing Mm -hmm. and lies to them and says the game was canceled. He says, you just got a phone call and the game was canceled. Both kids pretend to be disappointed. And after Alan leaves, you know, they think, you know, they're both relieved because they got away with this. And Eric asks Corey, is the library really open on Sunday? And Corey says, how would I know? (laughs) And Eric (laughs) says, not bad. You know, giving him respect for the way he uh, went through that scenario. Mm-hmm. So any other comments about that scene? No. Like, I just thought okay. it was completely ridiculous how Corey put more effort into tearing Eric's part, Eric's excuse yeah. apart than he put into his own excuse. Like, like he's a moron. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the <laughs> dumbest excuse ever. Like, I, I, I hope none of my excuses to my parents sounded as Word. dumb and, like, as transparent as, oh, my leg's going to get cut off. I, I can't be there. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> All right, so now we're in the cafeteria again, and uh, Corey's talking to Sean, and he's kind of celebrating the lazy weekend he had of video games, TV, and whatnot, and Topanga shows up, and this is where we learn that Topanga's dad works for the Rainbow Unicorn Bookstore, if I got that right. Topanga says, we missed you at the game this weekend, and Corey says, you know, the game was canceled, and Topanga says, you wish, because we were killing you guys until... uh, Alan's assistant manager, who we've met before and we'll meet again, mm-hmm. sprained his elbow, you know, trying to th- throw to home plate from center field. And then an ambulance had to come take him away for an elbow sprain. Knowing Leonard yeah, Spinelli, yeah. would you put him in center field? <laughs> like, I, no. Like, that's the, no. the the fielding position that has to cover the most ground. That's like, right. Well... The the good news is that uh, Leonard is the highlight of this show. Yes. This particular episode. Maybe the only highlight. Um, and so Corey obviously realizes what happened here, that his dad lied to him. And Sean says, well, maybe your dad didn't feel like playing. And Corey says, maybe he didn't feel like playing alone. So he's starting to feel guilty. Yeah. Smart enough to figure that out. Right. All right. So next scene, we're in the bedroom. Uh, and Corey's in the room. And Eric pulls in their mom, Amy. And they reveal that there was a game Saturday. And Amy already knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a talk about how, uh, you know, Amy says, like, Alan clearly picked up on the fact that you guys didn't want to go. And so he lets you off the hook. And Eric, again, asks, you know, his mom if there's any way they can get out of this. And she says something like, she can't. The fat lady has sung and she's gone home. She's in the kitchen eating a cheesecake. Yeah. I was like this. I wrote. I just wrote what? Like that's not even <laughs> funny. Like what? Just like anyway. It's just this episode for all the jokes and the dialogue. It just kind of sucks. Like there's a few funny moments, but I know this was supposed to be funny, but it's just not. So uh, they both feel guilty, and Amy says, uh, you know, she hopes they learn something and that they'll get over it. You know, just like Alan will eventually. Yeah. And Corey's guilt is getting the better of him. He says he can't get over it, and. uh Eric says it's like the gift of the Magi, but they didn't get him anything. Mm -hmm. Did you understand this reference? No, and I feel like I should (laughs) have. We both failed for not Googling before. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, Corey then holds his chest and says he has appendicitis. Yeah. Again, proving he's a moron. And Eric says, that's your heart. You know, it's not your appendix. Yeah. You'd think he would know that from pledging allegiance earlier in the episode. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't know. Back to being uh, dumb, right? Right. 
So we're in the kitchen now, and there's a knock at the door, and it's Leonard Spinelli. Leonard Spinelli is showing up to save this crappy episode. And just like they described, he has a, his arm in a sling because he sprained his elbow. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I can't quote Leonard Spinelli without trying to do his voice in some way, because I, even though I can't do it justice at all, right? Because when he gives a line, the way he sounds like his actual voice makes it even funnier. Yeah. Cuz otherwise he's he's otherwise pretty funny, but his his nasally voice makes it just that much better. But every time he shows up, he introduces himself to both of them. He does this Mr. Matthews and Mr. Matthews. I'm Leonard Spinelli. I work for your father at the grocery store. And every single time like, yeah, Lenny, we know. And we've seen him in previous episodes where that exact same thing happened. Yeah, um, it, it almost makes me wonder if like he's on the spectrum. Um. <laughs> I, because I, I don't think they were like as forward thinking, but that's basically what's going on here. Yeah, very repetitious, especially like yep. with his introductions. Doesn't read yep. social situations very mm-hmm. well. Like it seems like he's high functioning, like yeah. almost like Asperger's or something like that. Yeah, but I mean that's all on the spectrum. So I mean it's yeah. possible, but yeah. Well, one of the things he says to them is like after he introduces himself, he said. I, just, I wanted to make sure you got the right guy <laughs> because like, he's like, you've never called me over before. And I wasn't sure that, you know, that you actually meant to call me. So once they confirmed they were actually looking for him, he says he'll go and, uh, you know, turn his car off. Yeah. But the, the kids are, um, they're pulling the groceries out of this box that he brought with him and they're going over, you know, each one of them kind of naming them by name. Oh, here's the buns, pickles, whatever. And Lenny starts saying, uh, you might be wondering how I sprained my elbow. And, um, and Corey says they, they know it was at the game. And Lenny starts to panic, and he's like, what game? You're not supposed to know there wasn't a game. Or, I'm sorry, you're not supposed to know there was a game. And uh, Corey asks Lenny not to let Alan know that they know there was a game. Mm-hmm. And Lenny's trying to put all this together. And he says this ridiculous thing that I wrote down word for word, Mark, and I'm going to read it. <laughs> and he says, he says, let me ask you this. Don't you know he thinks you know, you know, he knows, you know, he knows, you know, he knows, you know, you know. And it makes absolutely no sense. How many times you read it? And then he says, you got to excuse me. I'm on painkillers you know, for the sprained elbow. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he says, you know, he's like, you know, this is the first time I've ever done myself physical damage that I can remember. And they're still going over like everything uh, in the box. And he says, of course, I can remember many occasions where I've done myself vast emotional damage. And uh, Eric and Corey are still ignoring him. And they pull out the pimento loaf, and uh, which is just gross. You ever had pimento loaf? No. I haven't either. Just looking at it, though, there's absolutely no chance. I figured, Mark, since you were brave enough to have a liver, you might have pimento loaf. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm wrong. Um, so Lenny explains the pimento loaf for him because he loves it. And uh, so clearly he thought he was invited, not just the delivery guy of the groceries. When they try to explain to him that he wasn't invited, he just repeats vast emotional damage. Yeah, very um, manipulative. <laughs> and they say, so then they say they'd love to have him. And that's when he actually goes, runs out to turn off his car. Anything uh, about that so far before we keep rolling? No, I'm ready for the next scene outside okay. barbecuing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're outside barbecuing, and Corey and Eric are really like kind of milking it with their dad, trying to say how great of a time it is to hear mm-hmm. their dad kind of affirm that it's a great time. Yeah. Um, 
and Alan is says something like, "Yeah, Dad is boys and uh, his assistant and manager. assistant manager." Yeah, and Lenny adds, "Time of my life." <laughs> he says, <laughs> "I'd applaud, but I'd pass out." <laughs> just, <laughs> that one actually got me really good. Um, and uh, and they do this stupid thing. You know how they in the previous episode we talked about how like how men eat and kind of they make it sound like they eat like barbarians. Yeah, Corey cuts a head of lettuce in half and calls it a salad. Which technically it could be because there's a thing like called a wedge, wedge salad, salad I know. which is you just and your like wedge salad. <laughs> it's Mark, like who the hell eats a wedge salad? I, I've had it once or twice. And yeah, I know. I'm <laughs> like all about like easy stuff, so you know who I, I I can get I can get behind it. Cut a wedge, put your dressing, some bacon bits on it, and call it a salad. I remember uh, we were out with a, a group of us. Uh, Luke was definitely there, and you got you ordered a wedge salad somewhere, and we're like, "What the hell? What's a wedge salad?" And it showed up, and we're like, "What are you eating that for? Like, <laughs> this looks like so much work. Like, why didn't they pick it apart for you? I don't understand what's going on." But anyway, they they claim they're just going to cut this salad and dunk it in dressing. Mm-hmm. I'll give you one more chance to defend your wedge salad if you want to before we move on. No. Okay. <laughs> Uh, so they say they don't need any utensils for their salad, and they'll just hose down the porch when they're done. Um, and Lenny yeah. says, wow, you guys really know how to have a good time. And this is one of his other good lines. This guy, like I said, stand on the episode. So he says, someday when I have a family, I'm going to have a good time. Unless my wife divorces me and my kids hate me because she poisons them against me, and I have to send my entire paycheck to the blood-sucking leeches while I live in squalor and despair. <laughs> And they just look at him like he's absolutely crazy. And he says again, did I mention I'm on painkillers? And um, then they start sharing uh, root beers. And they say root beers all around. And Mm -hmm. Lenny adds, we're having fun now. And Alan says, great, what could be better? And both kids go to the the kitchen. And they're like, all right, look, we know he's just kind of having a nice time. We still feel really guilty. And Eric tries to argue, hey, we gave him dinner. And then realizes... You know, which Alan has already provided us every night of our lives. So this isn't really that special. Mm-hmm. So they both know they should have played in the game. And Corey makes a metaphor. He says, we should, have, we should have stepped up to the plate, said I pledge allegiance to my dad, and swung for that game-winning home run. Yep. And Eric said that would have been better than, than tonight, right? And then uh, Lenny interrupts and says, hey, guys, come out and get some pimento loaf. I just noticed the expiration date. <laughs> yeah, how fun. Hurry up. Let's eat expired meat. Is it by the minute? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gross. All right. All right. And they, uh, they obviously have realized it would have been much better to just go play in the game. Yeah. So um, we're going to, before I move on, we're going to be in the classroom next. But anything you want to add to the previous scene? No, I, I think we're ready to move on to the next scene. Okay. So we're in the classroom next. And Topanga says she's thought it over, and she no longer wants to wear shoes either, as well as not say the Pledge of Allegiance. Man, I'm with her um, on that one. Although, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Corey raises his hand, what looks like to be like for a counter argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but he actually says uh, his position is the same, um, but his argument is better. And he said, "At first, I, you know, I thought we should say it just because it's tradition." And he says, "But we shouldn't say the pledge just because if we don't understand it." Mm-hmm. Uh, but if there's something you care about, like your country or your father, or your teacher, and then he, uh, or your or your teacher, he said uh, he reads the the definition of the of allegiance, um, and says that uh, you should show allegiance, you know, to your your country or your father. And Feeney asks him to confirm. So then you believe you should respect traditions of you know that government people or person. Corey says yes. And Feeney asks or teacher, and uh, the bell rings. Everybody leaves with that question just kind of hanging in the balance. 
And uh, Corey's last to leave the room. And Feeney has already like opened up a book, I guess maybe to read the next lesson plan. And Corey just says to him, like as his back is turned, says, or teacher. And that causes Feeney to smile, you know, as Corey walks away. So that was pretty cool. It tried to tie in the storyline with a lesson plan. Yeah. But I thought it kind of fell flat. Mm hmm. Now, like, uh, what is the what is the lesson there, actually? Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I can see that it's a social studies lesson. So I wouldn't necessarily deem it as like opinion writing or opinion pieces um, mm-hmm. and um, defending an opinion with supporting details. I don't think they went into it enough depth to do that. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it's very realistic that they were that he was doing a lesson on traditions itself. Um, yeah. Or social protest. But mm-hmm. I, I don't think we saw enough to really define what the objective of his lesson was. No. And I think the the traditions theme was really loose mm-hmm. and not a not something you would naturally draw if it wasn't forced on your throat. Yeah, you know, with the narrative of the episode, like the actual dialogue, because uh, I I don't think these two things are at all the same. No. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so now we're in the living room. And uh, and Alan's cleaning up a doll of Morgan's, which is only important for the last line of this, and uh, which is kind of one of those needless things. Just like when when Morgan went to the bank with Amy, mm-hmm. I don't know why this is in here, but Corey and Eric come down, and I guess like what looks like PJs, yeah. And because uh, Corey, I don't think he's wearing pants; I think he's just wearing boxers. <laughs> That's but what it looks say, like. Um, yeah, they say something's dragging them down, and they couldn't sleep, and they basically tell their dad they feel guilty, and he said, "Don't worry about it; we're even." And, uh, you know, Corey says, well, they're past that. They want to know the score of the game. And Alan says they got creamed 18 to 3. And that was a huge beatdown. Yeah, no mercy and, rule uh, there. Yeah. And Eric says, you let those sandal-wearing, crystal-packing, brown-ice-eating veg heads walk all over you? I feel like this is such a 90s thing. Um, all of this. <laughs> all Reminds of this. me of the insults from, like, the movie Hook. Look, I- I'm going to tell you, I- other than... Crystal packing. I'm pretty sure between the two of us, Mark, uh, we've worn sandals, mm-hmm. eaten brown rice. In fact, it was in the, the dinner we made tonight. And <laughs> probably have veggies. Yeah. Once in a while. The crystal packing, you know what? Uh, didn't hit that one. But <laughs> what the heck was this? Anyway, Alan says uh, that uh, he wasn't there. You know, so you know, don't blame him for the loss. And the kids like playfully mention that it's Alan's job to force them to play against their will because that's part of the tradition. Yeah. I I thought that was for somebody that feels guilty for not participating. I think it's kind of underhanded to blame the other person. (laughs) Like That's like, we're not going to take responsibility for this, even though we feel guilty for it. It's your fault. You know, it's, uh, I'm, Hmm. There's a few things I forced my daughter to do. And when she gets there, she has fun. Or mm-hmm. she has like no idea what it is, never done it before, but she doesn't want to do it, even just hearing about it. When yeah. she gets there, she has a great time. Yeah. Um, or even like we had her sign up for cheerleading. Oh, I don't want to go today. But every time she goes, she has a great time. So yeah. did you have to like bribe her with like things. water ice or anything? No. <laughs> um I'm sure we've we've bribed her for things before, but you know, for stuff like that, no. Um so Corey suggests a rematch with the uh Unicorn Rainbow bookstore, and Alan agrees to to book it. And uh, 
And Corey walks upstairs because Alan's been holding this stupid doll under his arm for the entire conversation and just says, under one condition, lose the doll. And yeah. Alan drops it. And that's basically it. Yeah. Just I mean, a way to force in one last joke in here. Yeah. I, I thought that one was funny. Um, but <laughs> scheduling a game like that without talking to anybody, like, yeah. uh, like that quickly is kind of like, yeah. If it was that easy, why is it only once a year? Yeah. And also, usually if you're going to have games like this, it's like other, uh, maybe other stores in your district, like mm-hmm. other branches or something. Yeah. Usually not a grocery store going up against a bookstore. Like no. two completely different things. No, when I worked at a water park, um, it was like lifeguards versus um, culinary or yeah. um, maintenance or park yeah. prep or things like right. that where it was different departments within the facility. Exactly. And if you work for a store that's a chain, like maybe the Lowe's stores play against each other. I don't know. Yeah. But the Lowe's stores aren't going to play against the smoothie place down the shop no. that five people work at. No. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense. So we do have um, a final scene you know, that they make you wait in the commercial break for. And uh, they walk in after the game, and they're celebrating a 36-9 to beatdown. 36 to 9. Um, and Eric says, Carnivores 36, Brussels sprouts 9. <laughs> um, so Alan walks in all dirty. You know, it looks like he's been, you know, uh, like sliding on the baselines. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also limping, using the bat as a cane. Yeah. And uh, he can't even high five because he's so exhausted. And uh, he says he had a great time and can't wait till next year. Kind of like the reverse of what happened at the beginning of this episode, where it's like, oh, he's super excited, and the kids yeah. don't want any part of it, but they're pretending to want it. So mm-hmm. he clearly has had enough already. And uh, and Eric mentions that they're going to finish their best of three series next week. Yeah. And Alan says, that's nice. Yeah, that's nice. And that's it. So uh, any thoughts on that scene? The episode overall. I can say I, I we well, we got. have to be around the same age as Alan, maybe a little bit younger. Um, like I play roller hockey once a week, and I usually play like two games. Mm-hmm. Like I come out like after the game, I might be a little bit sore, but like the next day, I'm generally fine. Like I, I don't think he's like at that age where he should be that <laughs> torn apart from playing one game. I would say next day, though. Like, if you don't do anything for a while, yeah, I can and you see go that. And play a competitive game, the next day your legs are going to be killing you. Maybe mm-hmm. even later that night. Yeah. So, all right. That's a fairly good point. Anything else? No. All right. No. I wrote I... a few notes. Okay, go for it. I wrote it. a few notes about this. First of all, I didn't care for this episode mm-hmm. at all. Uh, I thought it was full of constant jokes. The dialogue was very unnatural. Um, and this might have been the first indication that this series was going to get very very silly so it gets really silly especially in season two but i enjoy it a lot because i think it's legitimately funny yeah i think this This episode was kind of relatable though because i think everyone can relate to the fact like when you're a kid being forced to do something you don't want to do and not having a choice about it like that's true and sometimes you disappoint your parents or you know when you feel like you've let down your parents and you feel guilty uh, whether it be something you did not you did do you know, that you weren't supposed to, or the opposite. It, it hurts. Yeah. You know, and you, and as a kid, like you might not understand that you just need time and you just want to find a way to reverse it. Yeah. You know, um, one thing that you said 
I believe on episode 10, uh, was that you thought uh, that they were like hitting their stride with the core characters yeah. in this. And I think that continued here. So I think mm-hmm. that was a, a good point. Um, I think man, it Eric... was this episode or the next one. Like I didn't pay attention to both of them, but they mm-hmm. still have, uh, what is it, Daniel Fischel listed as guest yeah. starring. So she's not oh, okay. an official cast member yet, but it's a- another episode in a row where it's like the core for the season of Corey, Sean, Topanga, mm-hmm. and like Minkus. Minkus ends up dropping off, but it- it's yeah. pretty much those three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I wrote here is that Leonard Spinelli was the standout of the episode and basically the rest I can take or leave. No, with it being like a, a one storyline episode, basically yeah. I thought he was fantastic as always. So, mm-hmm. and not the last that we see of him, maybe as the Leonard Spinelli character, it's the last. <laughs> yeah. I think we maybe. talked about that in a previous episode, how yeah. he's played like three different parts throughout the run of different yeah. characters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely bring him back. I always wonder how they cast some of like the uh, the additional characters for these. Like if it's a a friend of a friend or just someone who happens to be around the studio or they do a lot of other things. Like, yeah, you know, what was Leonard Spinelli doing in between, you know, five or six episodes of Boy Meets World? <laughs> was he was he actually on the staff and producing or something? Yeah, I might have to go to IMDb and see if he was like guest spotting yeah. on any other shows around the same time, too. Yeah, I have a feeling this isn't the only thing he's acted in. No. Uh, and for some reason, I also get the impression he was you know, active somewhere else on the show. Mm-hmm. But, oh, that's yeah, a good point. I also, you know what I also think? Okay, remember you talked about how Stephanie, uh, the little girl from the last episode, was a really terrible actress? Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't have anything to back this up with, but this is what I've always thought. That when they have a one-off character that they're literally only going to use once, they save time by just having like the niece of someone who works on the show have her do it. Yeah. Right? Like she's such a crappy actress. Looks like she's never done this before in her life. So like, Hey, uh, whatever her real name is, you know, Hey Shelly, you're going to play this character named Stephanie. You want to be on TV? Oh yeah, I do. Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. Uncle, whatever, put mm-hmm. me on TV and I'll do this. And that's it. Yeah. Cause they don't bother casting someone, you know, maybe with uh, a little more clout. So uh, for some reason, I have a feeling that these, these like lower budget, uh, I guess, is this a sitcom? Would you call this a sitcom? Um, yeah. Mm, situation okay. comedy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, this little low budget sitcom, you know, it has just like, they just grab people, you know, from the staff and have their kids or, you know, or other related people, you know, show up on these little guest appearances. So they give quick lines. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how, how otherwise you explain it. With all the aspiring actors and actresses, how do you explain how some of these people end up on TV? I think you hit it with low budget, um. <laughs> right? So like, then you go to like you're hiring either rookies or just someone who knows somebody. Yeah. Look, Mark, man, if I uh, if I was somehow running a sitcom, I needed someone to come in and play goalie, I'd call you. <laughs> Even with no acting experience, you, know, you hop in the net and stop some pucks. I think so. you definitely see that more in like the first series or season of a show when they're not dumping the money into it because they're not quite sure whether it's yeah. going to stick around or audience reception and things like that. Mm-hmm. And most mm-hmm. of these episodes that we've reviewed so far were probably shot before they were aired. So, oh, of course. So they're not dumping a ton of money into something that they're, they're not set on yet. 
And that makes sense too on like the set pieces, right? It's mm-hmm. just living room, cafeteria, classroom. Yeah. Sometimes backyard. You know, just kind of rinse and repeat. Yeah. So um all right, Mark. I think that wraps us up here. Unless you have any other comments about this. No, I think that about does it for this episode. All right. Well, thanks again for uh for joining me here. And I'll see you for the next one.